We are the Narrators 3. Elisa, Lynn, and Chell. And this is Once Upon a Rewatch, where every plot device comes with a price. Welcome to Once Upon a Rewatch, Season 1, Episode 9, True North. This originally aired in January 15th, 2012. The writers for this episode are David H. Goodman and Liz Tegler. Tegler wrote Snowfalls, while Goodman wrote The Price of Gold and will come to write many other Once Upon a Time episodes. It was directed by Dean White, who also directed Snowfalls. The title card for this episode is A Gingerbread House. Let's get into it. We open on Henry reading a comic book at Dark Star Pharmacy. I see you once upon a time using those Marvel rights. I mean, if you got the franchise, you might as well. Too bad they didn't throw any of those characters into the show. That would have been a mess. That would have been a mess. It would have been a hot mess. It would have been a hilarious mess, but it would have been a mess. Thor would have been great. I'm just just putting it out there. Thor Thor and Spider-Man would have been great. And Spider-Man, you know that Peter would have absolutely believed Henry, like 100%. He'd been like, oh yeah, I totally believe you about the curse. Oh, Oh, Thor would have too. Thor would have been like this child. He is wise. We just had an arc and it was a Henry, Thor, Spider-Man team up. I love it. I'm on board. Let's write this new show. That's what Henry deserves. Yes, he deserves that crossover (laughs) fic. He does. (laughs) A girl from school named Ava strikes up a conversation with Henry, introduces her brother Nicholas, and invites Henry to come hang out with them. Before they're able to leave, Dark Star Pharmacy owner Tom Clark stops them and accuses Henry of stealing. Henry is confused even as Mr. Clark takes his backpack and uncovers stolen candy bars. Ever the sus boy, Henry turns to Ava in disappointment realizing she was only talking to him so Nicholas could stuff the stolen candy into his bag. I hate these fucking children. <laughs> Never so much as look at my son again in your lives. Ever. Poor Henry. I hate you. Poor Henry. My poor boy. He's, he's like so happy that someone's talking to him. I know. He's just like, oh my gosh, I finally made friends my age. Oh but my she gosh. Don't so- speak to me. You're just of- using me. One of the enchanted, like, cursed children, like, is finally talking to me and being my friend. How awesome. I and mean, Jesus, literally anyone his own age is talking to him. Because, yeah. like, other Henry. Hand, like, otherwise, like, who who talks to this poor boy? His therapist and his moms. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Mary, Margaret. Right. Mary Margaret. Mary Margaret. Graham did. Graham did. Pour one out for stupid sexy Graham. We miss him. We miss you, Graham. 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 Mr. Clark says he is shocked by Henry's actions before turning to ask the siblings, who do you think you are? They say nothing. Like, dude, you found out he was used by these horrible thief children. The fuck are you shocked about? You can fuck right off, Sneezy. I hate this man. He was a dick. He was. He's such a dick. He obviously hates children. Yeah, he, he like too. saw what happened. It wasn't Henry's he knew, fault. He knew that Henry was just used. He watched it happen and he's like, well, even though they used you still, this is your fault and I'm still going to call your mom. Jerk. Ugh. Yeah, this this whole like situation gives me like elementary school summer day camp catty girl click flash flashbacks where like you're like pawned from one group to the other and stuff and they're only like using you because of something and you're just, ah. Ugh. It's definitely like the popular girls being nice to you just to make you the butt of a joke is what it feels like. Yeah. yeah. Or like, you know, like you're like the one kid like in the neighborhood with a pool and they and mm-hmm. people only give a shit about you because you have exactly. the pool or something. Exactly. You have like the cool thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he had the backpack, I guess. Yeah. He, the cool thing <laughs> he had, he had was a backpack. Trampoline. Yeah. The backpack. <laughs> Back in the Enchanted Forest, we see the fairy tale version of Ava with her father, who chops down a tree to provide firewood for the winter. The father sends his daughter and her brother off to collect kindling. Before they leave, he places his compass around his daughter's neck so she won't get lost. Out in the woods, we learn that the siblings are Hansel and Gretel. Hansel is just dicking around, goofing around, while Gretel shoulders the burden of both physical and emotional labor. What a fucking tool. And that's going to be consistent for this whole episode. Yeah, that's yeah, is. At least he stays in character, right? (laughs) He does. At least he's consistent. (laughs) He's consistently a disappointment. (laughs) (laughs) When they return to where they left their dad, he is mysteriously gone. They begin to frantically call for him, following sounds until they fall onto the Queen's Road, where they are nearly trampled by Queen Regina's black knights escorting her carriage. Gretel falls onto the road, cracking the glass compass. 
one of the knights in the god-awful helmets that need to be burned grabs the twins and forces them to stand before the carriage where regina steps out and confronts them demanding what are you doing in my forest back in storybrook Regina is at Dark Star Pharmacy as Mr. Clark explains that Henry was shoplifting. Henry denies it and Regina says Henry doesn't eat candy and knows better than to steal. Like, oh my god, this fucking man. I'm back to, you saw what happened. It's already been pointed out. I'm going to kick your ass, Mr. Clark. Plus, I have to say, um, I gotta call bullshit on this. First thing, we learn, like, one of the first things we learn about Henry is that he is not above a five-finger discount. His crimes are bigger than petty candy. He likes ripping off credit cards and expensive juice. Secondly, Henry loves himself an Apollo bar. His backpack was well stocked when he went into the mines. He's just not guilty of this crime in particular. No, this crime is below him. He's a better class of criminal yeah, than this. He's, he is. He, all his crimes are for, for the purpose, for the purpose of, of Operation Cobra. Operation yeah. Cobra. Yeah, this is this is beneath him. He was just played. He was played by these children. He was tricked by the offer of friendship. He was, he was played by these rookie thieves. Yeah. <laughs> if anything, he needs to like be like their Fagin and like take them under his wing <laughs> and teach them how to really steal. Yeah. That implies that these fucking god awful stupid children are even worth Henry's time, and they That's are not. True. <laughs> they true. are not. I hate them. I love how much we hate these children. It's really they funny. They came for my boy. I know. I'm like, we love Henry. We love. They Bay. came for my boy. We love like flashback young Archie, but we have no time for Hansel and Gretel. They're especially, especially Hansel. Yeah. No. I'm no. sorry, you fuck with Henry, you're immediately on my shit list. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> he is a good boy. He is a good boy. Anyway. <laughs> Regina is leading Henry out just as Emma arrives. Regina, not so tactfully, reminds Emma that genetics mean nothing, that she is Henry's mother and took care of the matter. Emma patiently reminds Regina that she's there because she's the sheriff. Duh, Regina. Regina backs down immediately and leaves with Henry in tow. Is Regina also the big bad wolf? Because she sure as hell huffs and puffs a lot. Like, like, oh, Miss Swan, this is my, this is my business. He's my son. Genetics, nothing, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, oh my God, Regina. Like, it's actually and, hysterical and in this scene though, because she like is. definitely like winds herself up into like a full tantrum. Yeah. And Emma like could not give less of a fuck. She I just, know, Emma's just blinking like, <laughs> blankly at her like um i'm the sheriff yeah i love and... emma's just like lady this is my job can you calm down for a second <laughs> right and then regina's just like oh okay oh oh okay. yeah okay. well well okay sure. Fine. well sure Fine. sure sure i mean sure. i knew that arrest those peasant children i knew that and in fact it was my idea and why i wanted you here <laughs> oh regina mr clark Tell Sheriff Swan that he called Ava and Nicholas's parents, but the phone number they gave him was disconnected. Ava explains this is because their parents couldn't pay the bill. Emma notices that among the items they were stealing was a tube of toothpaste. Ava begs Emma not to arrest them because it will just make things worse for their parents. Back in the Enchanted Forest, Gretel begs the Queen's forgiveness because they've lost their father. The Queen pretends to show pity before ordering her guards to seize the children. The siblings try to escape, but the queen wraps them up in tree roots from the forest floor, which, like, I don't know how they thought this was going to play out. Their brilliant plan was to throw a rock at the evil queen. It's not like she has, I don't know, magic or anything. But yeah, good. Throw a rock. Regina tells them that trying to escape from her was foolish, but brave. See above, she has fucking magic. She says that their bravery might have saved their lives. She explains that she is going to find their father because they are going to do something for her. She's going to find her father, whose disappearance she clearly had nothing to do with. No, nothing at all. Nothing at all. <laughs> nothing at all. I really love Regina's bodice and skirt. It reminds me of the wallpaper inside the Haunted Mansion. Like, it just needs, like, spooky eyes. And be, like, <laughs> I never a dead made ringer. that connection, but it does look like I the Haunted Mansion wallpaper, it. kind yeah. of. Yeah. Her little leather capelet with, uh, that's like embossed with vines. It's a curious look, but I think I would actually rock it to like, you know, like some vampire ball or something. Along with like her cute, like witchy hat and side part. She looks like an 80s goth rocker who's like, you know, like came after Susie and the Banshees and, you know, kind of like in that era. Oh yeah. yeah. She, she rocks it. She looks like if they like did, redid a gender swap labyrinth and she was Jareth. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. It's a, it's a very, very good look. Um, it even reminds me of um, Death from the Endless, like the Sandman series. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I could definitely see like some influences from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is my absolute favorite Regina look. This is the one I cosplayed and it's so perfect. I guess if, if, if anyone actually wants to see, I can like post a picture Hell on yeah. our social media. Um, but yeah, I cosplayed this outfit uh, for D23 in 2015. Wow. And I tell you what. I was gonna say, and I was Snow White and it wasn't weird at the time. It wasn't weird. You're not dating yet. (laughs) It's not weird. I was your stepmom. We were not dating. It wasn't weird that you were my stepmother because we weren't dating yet. We did those costumes now. It'd probably be weird, but it was not weird then. We looked awesome. I tell you what. Never do it again. Just like we can never be Elsa and Anna again. (laughs) Oh man. I know. Lisa, if you and I weren't like a head and a half, like it, you know, difference in height, I'd be like, I'll take those costumes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We we have a, we have an agreement that we can still both cosplay those characters, but not together. That's that's a good, that's a good, that's a good agreement. Yeah. But my God, I, I love that costume. And I, I feel like there's few times in my life I felt as hot as I did dressed in this Regina look. I love it so much. It looks so good. It's such a good look. Good job. Good, good job on this Regina costume, guys. It's beautiful. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. Sometimes the costumes on this show completely miss, but then sometimes they're completely on. And I feel like this was one of the instances where like they were super on. Yeah. It's an absolute hit. This is beautiful evil queen look. It it's great from top to bottom from boots to hat. It's, it's perfect. And (laughs) it's much too good for this episode. It is. Yeah, it really is. It's totally wasted on this episode. It is, but I feel like costumes like this are an apology for Abigail's outfit. This is true. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Like, we're sorry about that feathered monstrosity. Have a good Regina costume. <laughs> and some of Cinderella's choices. Yeah. Yeah. Woof. Yeah. Woof. <laughs> Returning to Storybrooke, Emma drives the siblings home, but Ava stops Emma from coming inside. Ava tells Emma their parents will be embarrassed if she comes in. Emma explains to them her superpower, the ability to tell when anyone is lying. She asks the twins if, money problems aside, everything is okay at home. Ava assures Emma that everything is great. Emma releases them and drives off, prompting Ava and Nicholas to run off to their real house, which is boarded up and derelict. Emma sneaks up on them inside the house and asks why they lied to her. She asks where their parents are, to which Ava responds, We don't have any. Emma brings the twins to the loft she shares with Mary Margaret. As Ava and Nicholas are enjoying a hot meal, Emma talks to Mary Margaret about the kids, who says she has only seen them but never knew about their situation. Emma has learned that their mother, Dory Zimmer, died a few years ago, but their father's identity and whereabouts are unknown. Due to her own bad experiences within the foster system, Emma doesn't want to report them to social services. Instead, Emma wants to look for their father. Ava overhears Emma's worries about finding a foster home that would take both siblings and begs Emma not to let them be separated in a fit of really spectacular acting, she says sarcastically. Listen, I would never ever deny that the foster system has some severe problems, but the way season one of Once Upon a Time uses the foster system like a boogeyman is really reprehensible. Like the point of resource parents or what was commonly referred to as foster parents is to provide stability while the courts work with the biological family for reunification. A lot has changed from when Emma was a baby to 2012, 11, where, you know, when this takes place. And a lot has even changed from 2011 to present day. Like, I get it. It is a broken system that still needs a lot of work, but it is zany how much of a villain that the quote-unquote system is in this show that's true and it's very much it is a reoccurring villain for emma as the story Mm -hmm. goes on right and and like i said i won't disparage emma because like emma's experiences were in the 80s and yeah i mean it was it was completely a different system back then than than it is now so i i get it i like her fears are real you know but like the way it's presented constantly uh is is for me like a just a little like "Mm," you know yeah like without without like without mentioning the context of Emma's fears like oh you know and without like any like add an an endum of like or footnote of saying well things have changed you know or let's you know see see what see what's going on 
you know, in our state. <laughs> That's true. I yeah. mean, I feel like it's a little, it gets mildly more understandable in a later episodes where via flashbacks, you kind of see her experience. In the yes. Yeah. Because it was terrible. Yeah, it was terrible. She did have a terrible time, but she like, did have a terrible time. But without the context of that, it, it does seem like she's just railing against it. Right. Yeah. In a, in a more funnier moment of the scene, it, it, Mary Margaret's face going through it when she's just like, so we just have children now. You've just, just basically stolen these children. Like, oh, are we supposed to raise yeah. them now? Oh, oh, oh. There's no mean, here. Yeah, does that mean that we're the resource parents now? I mean, I guess one can sleep in the bathtub. The boy's kind of short. <laughs> She does I mean, like, that did seem to be Emma's initial plan when she was just like, they can't go to the foster yeah. system. She's like, don't we have they to hide them. now. And Mary Margaret's like, yeah, this is really great. You don't pay rent or anything, but sure, do this. Yeah. Mary's like, this is a terrible <laughs> idea. But then she's also literally consistently baking for them throughout the entire no. rest of the episode. Like the fanciest cookies with all this like fancy icing work, like continuously baking. She's like, this is what you do for though. kids, right? <laughs> it's like kind true. of, it's a thing with them because like, Whenever Emma doesn't know what to do with a child, she just brings them and puts them in front of Mary Margaret, basically. Yeah. Because She's like, you're a was, teacher. Yeah, because that children. was like the same thing when she was like multiple times when like Henry's doing stuff. She's like, I don't know. I don't know. I put him in front of Mary Margaret. She'll cook for him. I don't know what to do with him. I don't get children. I'm trying, but I don't get it. I don't know how he works. What does he want? And Mary Margaret's just like, Jesus, fine. Guess I have to actually be the adult. In the hopes of discovering the identity of the Zimmer father, Emma goes to the public records office to find the birth certificates for Ava and Nicholas. Mr. K, the clerk, discovers the records have been removed. He literally walks two feet away in his little tiny ass like cubicle, like open cubicle that he has to like retrieve this random file. And I'm just like, you would think that these files would be alphabetized and that Z would be either at the top or the bottom, or at least like in the back of the drawer, not randomly in the middle of like this random drawer two feet away from him. Oh my God, the laziness. <laughs> oh, it's bad. He like barely even looks at it. He kind of just opens the drawer, like glances and goes, not here. Like, okay. okay. They, they, put, they, put, they put less than minimal effort into that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm just like, I'm like, is this the show overall with like your blocking or is this just this particular episode where we all rusted? We have like a 24 hour turnaround to like get this episode like at, like in the can. Like what happened? <laughs> it would explain some things. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just like, I just don't understand. I was just like, are you, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, I just, I just don't, I, I don't, I don't even know. But I feel like <sighs> this, this scene, I feel like is like, I feel like there's more sophisticated blogging on the sweet life of Zach and Cody. Like, I mean. Sure, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. <sighs> Continue. Continue okay. with this shit show. <laughs> on we go. Emma next meets with Regina, who says she's already called social services. She gives the records to Emma, and we see that the name of the father is unknown. Regina says that main group homes are filled, but a girl's home and a boy's home in Boston have availability and are expecting the children to be delivered by Emma that night. Emma is stunned and initially refuses, but Regina firmly reminds her that the kids need a home. Is Boston literally the only city they know of on the East Coast? Not only that, but like, is that even legal? Like, they would be words of the state, as in the state of Maine. And you yeah. can't just fucking move kids from state to state willy-nilly like that. Not to mention state laws vary wildly when it comes to foster care. This is not a federal one-size-fits-all system. What the hell is wrong with using other parts of Maine for this show? Like what Hatfield and McCoy level grudge do the showrunners have against the state of Maine that they can't just say, there's a boy's home and a girl's home in Augusta or Portland waiting for the kids. Like why is it always Boston. Maybe Regina's just like, Boston's where Emma's from, so maybe if she goes there, she just won't leave. Maybe she'll get stuck. I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe even that. And maybe, maybe she'll also, go back and go, I miss Boston. Back. I'm never coming back. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe also, I guess like, you know, bringing Regina up, I guess that kind of does make a little sense because Regina does not have a familiarity with this world, with like no. the land without magic. And so... Maybe but she sure knows what Boston is because that's knows, where this light came from. Right. And and like and she has 
past dealings with Boston, as we will come to find out too. Mm-hmm. So um, maybe that, maybe it's, it's the connection because she is the connection. Like she's like, oh, that's like my only touchstone so maybe area, it's not area. that the writers yeah. only know the, about Boston. Maybe Boston's the only city Regina knows exists. Yeah, exactly. Like she just does not have any any knowledge at all, like outside of like she doesn't story have the fucks to pick it up. Because yeah, well, exactly. And why yeah. would she? she? You know, she's just in this town. So yeah, she, she, she is. She cannot the... be asked by U.S. map. Yeah, she is the writer of Storybrooke, so like she only knows like Boston. So that's that's all she can do. So anytime it's any place outside of Storybrooke, she's like, I don't fucking know Boston. Boston. <laughs> Back in the fairy tale land, Hansel and Gretel are following the Queen to the home of the Blind Witch. The Queen says she needs them to get something from the Blind Witch, something which is kept inside a black satchel. The house is protected by magic, so she can't enter it herself. Children are exempt from the spell. The Queen promises she'll find their father if they do this for her. She warns them the witch's house is unique. She tells them that no matter how tempted they are, don't eat anything. She then moves some tree branches to reveal a magical CGI gingerbread house. Can we forget the children for a minute and talk about how good Regina's eye makeup looks here? Because that's yes. the only oh, thing beautiful. I cared oh, about in this scene oh, at she all. Looks, I, she looks so, so fucking good. She's so, so hot in this episode. She's so hot yeah. in this episode. <laughs> I know. It's ridiculous. Like, I almost forget how insanely mad I am at Regina. <laughs> because I literally so wrote that in my notes. Hot in this episode. <laughs> I literally wrote that in my notes. <laughs> oh, God. Like, I'm like, they made her too hot in this episode so we can forgive her for everything she did because it's like, <laughs> yeah. damn, that Lana's so hot right now. I know, because you, like, forget for a second because you're just like, God damn, what are you doing after this? <laughs> she's she's too hot, and she's just like, eh, I'm just sending too hot. Ch- hot damn. You know, just going to send these children to the den of the cannibal witch. NBD, no big deal, no big deal. I'm hot. Hot girl problems. Hot girl problems. So, so like, look, I have a sweet tooth, but yeesh, that CGI gingerbread house does not look good. So, ladies, I want to pose a question to you. What would an enchanted house have to be made of for you to completely throw caution to the wind and risk being caught in the clutches of a cannibal witch? Like, I'm a big fan of pie and custard, so that would absolutely get me into the fire. Pie and ice cream. At the expense of being awful. The Cannibal Witch is played by Emma Caulfield. I don't <laughs> really care what the house is made out of. It's Emma Caulfield. I mean, she she don't is. Judge me. No, I'm not. There is. This is a judgment-free zone. <laughs> judgment-free zone. If she was like, "You're here," and also here's some pie for you, I'd yeah. be like, "Well, today's just fantastic." As long as it's not cherry or apple. Yeah, agreed. Because <laughs> those are the only two pies in the world I have a vendetta against. I'll ask for those stories later. There's not even a good story. I just don't like them. Oh, okay. Oh, it's the like, end. I'm like, when I was a child, I was horribly traumatized when a, a clown slapped showed up face. at my birthday party and slapped me in the face with a cherry pie and then an apple pie in succession. It's like nothing that interesting. I just don't like them. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just don't like apple and cherry pie. That's my riveting story for the evening. And onward we go. <laughs> and onward we go. In the words of the Muppets, moving right along. Flash forward to Storybrooke. Henry comes to Emma at the police station to reveal the siblings are Hansel and Gretel. Henry further insists that their father must be in Storybrooke because no one else can enter or leave except Emma. Henry suddenly asks Emma about his own father. I like that Henry leverages this as a favor owed because he told Emma about her parents and now she's living with her mom. Emma begins to protest that Mary Margaret is not her mom, but she stops mid-sentence. I love this because I don't think it's for Henry's benefit that she stops. Like, her expression indicates a hesitation to doubt the curse. I don't know, it's, yeah. it's a really interesting moment where she's like, you know, Mary, Mary Margaret's not my, and then she stops and it's like, oh, you know, and there's like a, a look in her face that's like, huh. Where Mary Margaret's concerned, she actually wants to believe in the curse. Mm-hmm. Because, like, there's so much about Emma being, like, you know, I I wanted to find my family. I wanted to find my family that, like, I think part of her, even though she's like, this is a crazy child theory that's happening right here. I think part of her is like, 
but Mary Margaret's wonderful. And if she was my mom, how great would that be? Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. And I think, um, I, I think Graham's death and everything that happened there really kind of shook Emma's belief. And I, I think, you know, in, in, in stepping up and, and deciding to fight for this town, she definitely feels like, it seems like she thinks some, something's off here. And so I think she maybe has just the inkling of belief in Henry at this point that, that maybe everything is more than she believes. I think this she might have this like little, little inkling, little, little inkling, but a little inkling that, you know, maybe, maybe there is more to this. I think, I think you're right. But I think, I think you're right. it was actually, I think she actually started to get it slightly before Graham died, because I feel like the moment you see her have kind of like, oh shit, is when Graham's like, there's a wolf. And she's like, there's absolutely not a wolf. And then it's like, oh my God, no, there is a fucking wolf. Yeah, no, yeah. okay, you're right. I think the wolf, the, I think the the wolf Graham... is leading us to a magical crypt. That's yeah, I, wolf. Wolves do that, I guess. <laughs> I think the whole Graham situation, like the whole situation actually um, shook her to the core because yes. like the time she put on her deputy badge, that's when the earthquake happened. And then, and then, um, and then right, then the wolf happened and then Graham died. And, you know, it's all like rapid succession. So I feel, I feel like Graham is the catalyst for uh, Emma starting to believe. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, <laughs> I hate that he's the catalyst because this feels yeah. like the reverse gendered, we, we fridge, fridge your wife for man pain to develop yeah. your plot. But yeah. it's a bit, that's basically what that, it is. But that's that is, pretty that much is what, what happened. Is. It was yeah. we fridged. We fridged Graham to give Emma the the sads to develop her character and make her realize things about the curse. Yeah. And uh, we had a whole episode about it, but Graham deserved better, guys. Yeah. Graham deserved so much better. Yeah. Pouring one out. Pouring one out. out. Now I'm angry all over again. All right. Emma tells Henry she was pretty young and working in a 24-hour diner off of the interstate. She says Henry's dad was training to be a firefighter and came to the diner late a lot of nights, with a cute anecdote about him always complaining that the diner never served pumpkin pie. They spent time together, then his life got better and her life got worse. When Emma discovered that she was pregnant, she learned that Henry's father died saving a family from a fire. She tells Henry that his father was a real hero. Wait. Emma is claiming that she tried to contact Henry's father before she went to jail. After she found out she was pregnant? Did she not tell Henry that she found out she was pregnant while in jail? In like a previous in a previous episode? She did. I think so. Sus. 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 <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, he could have been her one phone call, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, then it, I mean, that's the best I got. Well, that's the thing. Okay, so it was only last episode that he found out he was born in jail. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know how long Emma served. We do, but not not yet. Not, not yeah. the, not there the hasn't been audience at this point. Yeah, yeah, the audience doesn't know yet. So that's the thing. I'm like, okay, is this information conflicting of previous given information, or is it only conflicting because I know the truth? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, is yeah, this? Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't even know if this is, it's, I'm like, It's fuck. hard to say, because it's not like there aren't instances when this show deeply contradicts what it's already set up. Yeah. So I, it could go either way. It could, but also it could just be, I don't know, Emma, Emma not keeping her story straight in the moment because she had to think up something on the fly. Absolutely. And, and yeah, I, I like that though. She's saying like, oh, I tried to contact your dad before I went to jail. But I'm the, and then I'm just like, wait, so as in like before you were knowing you were going to jail or like, hey, I'm going to jail, by the way, I'm pregnant. <laughs> like that's the way it sounded like, you know, kind of like Orange is the New Black, how like Piper had like, you know, like time to prepare for jail or whatever. Oh, yeah, she had like, like her last 24 hours of freedom or whatever. Yeah, and I'm like, uh, for Emma, it wasn't like that, no. like that, like yeah. that luxurious. She got arrested, she was thrown in jail. Like, I think she's applying that she knew that she was pregnant and then she told him or tried to tell him. Tried to tell him. Dead, and then was in jail. But I think what we do so learn- confused. Yeah, it's confusing. What we do learn by the end of this episode is that she is lying. 
yeah, yeah. Um, and that she she's essentially you know she's built a fairy tale for Henry about a false father in yeah. order to give him a hero uh, because this is the language she knows how to communicate with Henry in is, which is, is fairy tales yeah which is honestly yeah. probably why there's an inconsistency because like yeah let's be honest I don't think she was expecting Henry to like bulldoze her with oh no she she looks shocked yeah so she just is like what can I come up with on the fly that is way better than what actually happened and she did quite good she did good for an on the fly story this is pretty decent yeah I I almost almost wonder if she was like okay what am I gonna tell this kid when he eventually one of these days he's gonna ask one of these days you're gonna have to ask She just has like a little slip of paper shoved in her wallet with notes, (laughs) like bullet points. (laughs) Firefighter underlined like three times. Kids love firefighters. Firefighters. (laughs) He's got to be dead because then Henry can't find him. Yeah. Henry asks if she has anything of his, anything to remember him by. And Emma says she doesn't, which like, I don't know what he was expecting. She owns like two boxes of things, kid. She doesn't have a ton of stuff. Inspired, Emma returns to the loft to ask Ava and Nicholas if they have anything they've hung on to from their father. As an example, Emma shows them a blanket made by her mother that she says she kept with her throughout the years. Ava says she might have something and hands over a compass. Ava says their mom kept it, saying it was their father's. Returning to the past, immediately, Hansel scoops up some icing, continuing to be a disappointment as we said he would. Gretel has to literally slap it away from him idiot boy. Hansel and Gretel enter the blind witch's house, which is made of candy and has a mega fuck ton of sweets inside. The witch, played by aforementioned Emma Caulfield, is sleeping in a rocking chair by the fire, a pile of bones by her feet. The satchel the queen wants them to steal is hanging nearby. While Gretel focuses on the task and goes to get the satchel, Hansel continues to win fuck up of the year as he picks up a cupcake and takes a bite, prompting the witch to waken. The kids try to escape, but all the doors and windows slam shut. The witch exclaims, I smell dinner. These stupid fucking children, you had one job. Hansel, you are just the worst. Your sister should just leave you there. Hansel's face after his sister says, don't eat anything, is just like, yeah, no, I'm going to do it anyways. Like, you never eat the food, Hansel. That's how the fey creatures get you. This kid is, a, is just... He's the worst. He's the worst. That's all I've got. He brings down the whole team. Like, I'm not a fan of either of them, but like, at least she's got smarts. I don't even know what he's bringing to the table. Yeah, Gretel Gretel at least is competent. Yeah. Yeah. She's terrible, but she's competent. (laughs) In Storybrooke, Emma pays a visit to Mr. Gold and shows him the compass to see if he knows where it could have come from. The face is crystal, he says, and it's an unusual piece. He says it was bought at his store and goes to check his card catalog of purchases. He holds up the card tauntingly, prompting Emma to ask Mr. Gold his price for this information. He asks for forgiveness, to which Emma counters with tolerance. Mr. Gold relents, saying that's a start. He reveals that the compass was bought by a man named Michael Tillman. Emma leaves and we see the card Mr. Gold was reading from was blank. Okay, first of all, I have to say that, you know... Rumpelstiltskin slash Mr. Gold, he does not compromise on his deals. You know how much he likes Emma. Because he, does. he just it, doesn't want her to be mad at him no more. Yeah, I know. He's yeah. just like, he's it's like, actually no. pretty cute. It's so cute. He's like, oh, come on. Emma, like, don't be mad at me anymore. Don't be it's mad at me. Sad. <laughs> You're a sheriff. You're getting along with Henry. You're doing your whole Operation Cobra thing that I'm going to pretend I know nothing about. And, you know, and Emma's just like, mm, tolerance. And he's just like, mm, good enough. Let's just see. Like, like, he's just like, wearing you down. I'm wearing, I'm wearing, wearing you down. down. You're going to be eating, eating at my house soon. We're going to have Sunday night dinners. <laughs> like, it's just, it's so adorable how much, like, he really does want, like, to be it's on cute. the same side. Yeah. But, oh, my God, I was so distracted by that weird-ass tie that he's wearing. It's, I didn't even notice it. Describe it to me. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, it's distracting because I just couldn't even tell if it was awful or it was just clashing colors with the odd color of his dress shirt. Like, I just need answers. And, like, I look at, I, you know, I look at screen caps uh, for every episode, and there just wasn't even a good one of this. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, I can't even find it. It's like, he was wearing, like, a weird burnt, like, red 
orangish red kind of mm-hmm. dress shirt and then the tie had like these weird like red swirls or something on them it's it, it was strange and clashing and odd and I don't know that's I'm so sad that I can't remember it that's okay I mean this episode is not very memorable except for like certain details like that are have nothing to yeah. do with the actual plot yeah. so yeah. you know we cling to anything yeah <laughs> meanwhile Emma finds Michael and he says it's not possible and that Dory was a one-time thing because you know you totally can't get someone pregnant if you only sleep with them once that's just science she tells him about the twins and that they're about to be shipped off to Boston he doubts they're even his because he's a stand-up guy but Emma shows him the compass he says he lost it and Emma guesses it was 12 years and nine months ago Emma gives Michael a passionate speech about how he will have to answer to his children someday if he refuses to connect with them. He apologizes and tells her he doesn't know anything about being a dad. This man is bootleg Seth MacFarlane, and I just, I can't. (laughs) Also, can we talk about the fact that these kids are supposed to be twins and like even by suspension of belief TV sibling rules, they're so obviously not? Yeah, yes, yeah. I mean, the height difference is fine because, you know, whatever, but like, yeah, they look nothing alike. Nothing alike. Like I give give a pass to her being taller because generally speaking, girls develop faster and hit their height quicker. So at that age, usually girls are taller than boys, but there is no way in hell these two are even related, even by TV sibling standards, let alone twins. Yeah. It's just bad. Also, let's talk about the horrible continuity again. Oh, let's. Emma says a month ago, a month ago is when this timeline started. I don't fucking think so. That would mean that Graham offered her the job of the deputy within her first week of arriving, died the following week, two weeks go by since his death, two episodes ago, and now this episode? Like, I'm calling bullshit. Lazy, lazy bullshit. I'd say two months minimum. Though, of course, you'd never know because, you know, that whole weather-controlled bubble Storybrooke lives in. Yeah, wibbly-wobbly-timey-wimey. Maybe time is different here? We, we, we also, like, were asked by uh, someone on our Tumblr to try and piece together a, a timeline and talk about, like, the timeline and stuff. And I'm just like, oh, man. I was like, well, we can certainly try and by like events but like actual passing of time that's impossible yeah the best the best we're gonna have is events i events I, I, yeah event, I event timeline is is doable but like, yeah yeah i i broke down I'll, I'll talk about events i tried to put it put it together for this episode um, okay so we'll talk we'll talk about that we'll wrap it at the end okay i'll, okay. I'll have a i'll have a timeline a timeline as best as possible by lisa but it's definitely going to be uh events uh not yeah, events, not, not not actual time, uh, because this is the this is Wibbly time. This show is Wibbly time because uh, the uh, the continuity script advisor, whoever the hell is in charge of that, is sleeping on the job. Yeah, here's what I will say in regards to this episode about just the mentioning of time and details, etc. I think it's important to remember this episode was clearly phoned in. Oh yeah, yeah. This episode was written with no care and no shit and i think that's spoken to with stuff like this yeah yeah and and the and the uh the the mr k turning exactly a foot and a half away from his desk to retrieve mm-hmm. like there is a, a random laundry list of things that happened in this episode that you can point to and be like damn no one, g- you, no one you gave a fuck. so little why did this episode even get made yeah yeah, there's not a lot of um supporting characters in this episode as well. So I'd even feel like budget-wise was like cut on, you know, side actors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, because, yeah, as far as... like, did, think- their, did their budget go all into Emma Caulfield? <laughs> I, probably. Maybe. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe, which I mean, in that case, worth it because it's Emma Caulfield. But <laughs> to be still. honest, I honestly think that she was doing them a favor. Like I think I mean there's yeah, enough there are enough be. like Buffy but uh, excuse Buffy, me there yeah. are there are enough Buffy connections with this show that I think like someone just called her and was like hey do you want to come up to like Vancouver and film like, honestly for like, a day be a she had to have She's done like, this yeah. she had to have done this out of the goodness of her heart because I think so my God. <laughs> 
Otherwise, I do not know how. Okay, on with the shit show. On with the show. (laughs) Mary Margaret, who is baking with Henry and the twins, liberal air quotes, when Emma calls and asks her to come outside. Emma tells Mary Margaret that Michael Tillman, the father, doesn't want the kids. Mary Margaret suggests Emma tells them the truth, the way Emma did with Henry, about his father, not putting any guilt there at all. Emma admits she didn't tell Henry the truth. Henry's father was no hero, and trust me, he doesn't have to know the real story. Regina walks up and tells Emma she's supposed to be on the interstate headed to Boston with the twins. Back in the past, at the blind witch's house, Hansel and Gretel are trapped, and she's preparing to roast them. With some quick thinking and a bit of luck, Hansel and Gretel turn the tables on the witch. To be fair, it's mostly Gretel. Pushing her into the oven and escaping from the house while she screams for someone to let her out. Regina watches from her magic mirror and throws a fireball into the oven to expedite the roasting of the witch. (sighs) Emma Caulfield is fucking wasted on this role. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking wasted. She deserves better. And we're not even touching on the fact that one of the only lines she gets is to shriek about butter and gravy, which honestly (laughs) drives me nuts. It drives me nuts. I don't know why, but it does. So does Regina's got him line after she roasts her with, I would have gone gravy. Oh, really, Regina? Oh, really? That's how you would have cooked children? Good for you. (laughs) Shut the fuck up. No one cares. I will say this, though. Emma Caulfield is the sexiest cannibal witch ever. Hell yeah. Hence why I said I would have just gone into the house no matter what. (laughs) But also, if Regina could just fireball her through the magic mirror, why the fuck did we need a shitty Hansel and Gretel retelling? The writers literally just contradicted themselves. The lazy is so strong with this one. Lazy fucking episode. I don't know. She was locked in the oven too. She would have burnt. I don't know if they were trying to like be like, oh, let's not have children murder. So we'll have Regina murder instead. And it was like last minute added in. I don't know. But it just, there was no point. Maybe you're right. Because maybe it's like the Disney principle of the hero can never be the one that kills the villain. It either needs to be like- Everyone knows that like Hansel and Gretel killed the witch. Well, I guess Regina still needed them to, she needed them to go in there because she couldn't enter and steal the thing. So I guess so she needed them. And so she could have just let the witch die by Gretel having locked her in the thing. But she was like, no, I need the last laugh. I need to burn her. So I needed she to was deliver just being... a real fucking stupid <laughs> zinger. She's like, I can't go in there. I can send a fireball in there. I don't know. Yeah. I don't. I, I think don't it could eat. be the, you know, the heroes can't kill, can't kill. It could be, but I think that's giving them too much credit, and I think it's just lazy. Yeah, yeah. I, I do too. I think it's <laughs> just lazy. It's just lazy, but I'm, I'm, I was glad to see Emma Caulfield here. I missed her from seeing her face on stuff, and I, I was glad she was there, even if she was here, just to eat children and die. Sorry. Yeah, like I said, wasted on this role. Wasted. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I'm so mad. Anyway, Hansel and Gretel return to the evil queen with the satchel. Regina opens it and pulls out a beautiful red apple. Wait! Hold on. I just thought of something. Didn't we, didn't we see the blind witch not played by Emma Caulfield in like episode one or two with like Regina, like in her gathering of the reject baddies? There was a blind witch, but she was like all old and stuff. Okay. I guess, gross. I, guess that, gross. I guess that I guess the enchanted forest is just lousy with blind witches. So she could either be a different I mean, blind yeah. witch or she could have survived the burning instead of being like all old in that scene. What actually was she's just like covered with burns in that scene. But it probably is just the enchanted forest is ripe with blind witches because I don't think anyone anyone of importance was there. Okay. We're also okay. ignoring the possibility that the show just doesn't give a shit about its own continuity. No, I just didn't want to repeat myself. all right sorry back to it no no i'm all for beating that dead horse anyway where was i hansel and grella return to the evil queen with the satchel regina opens it and pulls out a beautiful red apple she explains to a flabbergasted hansel which i'm sure that's hard because he's very smart that it's not just an apple it's a weapon a weapon for a very particular and devious enemy one who's still under the illusion that she's safe gretel asks the queen to keep her promise and find their father The queen tells them they deserve more than a father who had abandoned them. She reveals that they are the first of many children she sent in to fetch the satchel. 
but they are the only ones to return. Regina decides to reward them by having them live with her in the castle, pampered, and given everything they could want. The evil queen is just like, congratulations, I'm passing my death test. Please be my children. Yeah, so here's another question for uh, for you two, for the panel. Would you have taken Regina up on her offer? Because I sure shit would have when I was a kid. It's not that I didn't love my parents. I was just always looking for my daddy war books. And, you know, I would have written to my folks, I'm sure, eventually. But, uh, yeah, I would not have passed up that opportunity. I was a very opportunistic child and still, I guess, could be considered an opportunistic adult. <laughs> I, prob- I probably would have done the done the Gretel thing and be like, no, I love my parents and we will find each other. A blue, blue, blue. That was a, you know. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I, I love you. I, I like your parents. They're, they're very nice. Parents. Yeah, they're good parents. Yeah. I'm not saying that my parents were bad. They were, you know, I was just, you know, I was a latchkey kid. So <laughs> I was like, oh, they'll be fine. I'm fine. What about you, Lynn? I don't know. She's she's a queen. So if she adopted me, I would have been a You would have been a princess. princess. You would have been a princess. So yeah, I think we know what my answer is. Yeah. Even after same, she said same with mine. Even if she, she her death her test was to to survive a cannibal witch yeah, yeah probably, then yeah. i would be a princess who was also a badass i guess yeah. that's true i guess that's i'd true. be like fuck yeah my mom's a witch <laughs> no one's gonna fuck with me now let's go dress shopping yeah yeah exactly i think i think yeah, that's pretty much exactly i'm thinking like ooh, punish all my enemies <laughs> So, Take which, that all the bullies who made fun of me in elementary school. Ex- exactly. <laughs> of which there was many for me. So. Of which there were many for me as well. My mom's yeah. the evil queen now and she's going to have you all eaten. Yeah. You guys, but remember, you are now going to have to live in the Sydney Opera House energy efficient egg. That's okay. I'm on the inside. I don't have to yeah, look at it. Yeah, if you're on the inside, you don't actually have to look at the outside of it. You so just have to look at a shitty, shitty environment. <laughs> You just have to look at the shitty CG environment and I would be like, mother, please pass a law that the guards may never be within eyesight of me because I cannot stand the sight of them. Yeah. Mother, please note that they must throw a blanket over their head before they pass me. Mother, please, please send me to Rumpelstiltskin for magic training. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say that out loud? (laughs) Okay, where were we? (laughs) We're back on the children who we're supposed to care about. Oh, yes. Yes. So Gretel instead demands that they get their father back. She says that they wouldn't want to live with anyone as terrible as her, <sighs> vowing to find their, I know, this stupid child, <laughs> vowing to find their father with or without the queen's help. We'll see about that, the queen says, sending up a swirl of purple smoke around them. These kids are dumb. <laughs> In Storybrook, Emma packs Ava and Nicholas into her car and prepares to head for Boston. Henry warns her they can't leave Storybrook because something bad will happen. Emma says something bad has already happened and drives off. Heading out of town, Emma's car engine stalls and she calls for help. In the fairy tale land, the evil queen sees in her mirror that Snow White is walking around with a group of dwarves and asks herself, when did that happen? Oh, I really enjoyed that line. It really made me laugh. Oh no, yeah. it's, it's, it's good. <laughs> it, it, it's a good line. It's, yeah. a, it's, good. it's very chuckle worthy. I enjoy her just dwarves. It's like know. one of the best parts of this episode. <laughs> it, it, yeah. It's no, I agree. I agree. Hansel and Gretel's father is brought to her, revealing she has taken him prisoner. She tells him they're gone, and she's told them he abandoned them. She wants to know why his children would have refused everything they wanted from her, because she's clearly better than he is, and she's not wrong. He tells her it's because they're a family, and family always finds one another. The queen tells her guards to release him, and says they can all be together as soon as they all find each other. Hansel and Gretel wake up in the forest and realize the queen has let them go. Gretel has her compass and they take off into the forest in search of their father. I like this look too. Queen Regina is killing it in this episode. Yeah, we get to see under the capelet. It's the same cloak, but but losing the capelet and and with Sam's hat and it It looks so good. So So good. good. I feel like they're really, like I said, they're really trying to distract us by how angry we are at her by just having Lana walk around looking like hot evil queen perfection. Like, okay, you want us to forgive her and we can't because it's unforgivable, but at the same time, she looks so good and I so enjoy watching her and yeah. Oh no, (laughs) I'm, I'm there. I feel like, I feel like I'm just like Mugatu through this whole episode and just like, the whole thing is just me being like, damn, that Regina is so hot right now. So true. 
we return to Storybrooke, where Emma and the quote-unquote twins wait for help. As the tow truck approaches, Ava sees that her compass is spinning. Michael shows up and sees the kids are in the car. At this point, he knows Emma's car is fine because she's a dirty liar. She tells Michael that she was scared of coming to Storybrooke for Henry too, and now she says she couldn't go back after having met him and gotten to know him. Michael asks Emma if she's taking them to Boston. Emma says she doesn't have to, and after a moment, he tells her not to. Michael goes to the car to see them. These kids have literally no clue who this stranger is. I would be like, back up, sir. Like, sir, you literally just decided to claim these kids. They don't know you from Adam. What the actual fuck? Like, I get it. He is their father. We saw the woodcutter in the past. But the implications of this story on the storybook side of things is just laughably terrible. I actually had that same thought. Like, I hadn't had the other times I'd watched this episode, but this time watching it, I was like, they don't know who that dude is. Why are they, like, it would make perfect sense if he leaned into the car and they just, like, you just heard screams. Yeah. Just, like, threw things at his head. (laughs) Stranger danger! Emma gets home and tells Mary Margaret that the twins, dad showed up and changed his mind. This leads to a particularly insightful conversation in which Emma wonders what it'd be like to discover her parents. Mary Margaret tells her she still might find out, but Emma says she's debating letting go. Emma then tells Mary Margaret about about Henry's theory, that Emma was wrapped up in this blanket and placed in a magical wardrobe and sent to Storybrooke by her parents, one of which is Mary Margaret. They both laugh, and Mary Margaret says she thinks she'd remember having a child. You do kind of have my chin, Mary Margaret jokes. As Emma is leaving, Mary Margaret spots Emma's blanket and remarks on how pretty it is. Emma thanks her and leaves. Mary Margaret holds the blanket close and smells it, a brief flash of familiarity on her face. The scenes between Emma and Mary Margaret and Emma and Henry are worth the rest of the tooth-pulling agony that is this episode. Yeah. They're very sweet. They're very sweet. They're pretty much the only redeeming factors. Yeah, this this last scene between the two of them is so lovely. Mm -hmm. Henry finds Emma going through her old file in the car. He has brought her pumpkin pie because he is a good boy. Emma is about to tell him the truth about his father, then decides to continue the lie because she cannot crush that sweet soft boy, instead saying she's glad she told him. Suddenly, a man drives up on a motorcycle. He asks them if this is Storybrooke and whether they know of a place to stay. Three cheers for possibly my least favorite character in this whole goddamn show. Uh, hi, August. Uh, He's here. The worst! <laughs> uh, you're staying, says an instantly sus Henry. We all love a sus Henry. His bullshit meter is on point. Emma suggests Granny's bed and breakfast up the road. She says, I didn't catch your name. And the stranger replies, that's because I didn't give it. Thus letting the audience know that he is unmitigated dick. After the man rides off, Emma reminds Henry that he said strangers don't come to Storybrooke. They don't, he replies ominously, and in this case, they fucking shouldn't have. End credits. End <laughs> credits on this. Fuck. <laughs> okay, okay. What the fuck, but more importantly, why the fuck was this episode? This was a 45-minute vehicle to establish two quick scenes. Emma talking about Henry's father and telling Mary Margaret about Henry's belief. Maybe even the evil queen going through stupid lengths to get her poisonous apple, even though she fireballed the blind witch through her mirror, thus negating any need for Hansel and Gretel. Jesus. You know... I am really sad for Hansel and Gretel, like as characters, because two clever kids besting a cannibal witch and throwing her into an oven is fun times. And this show did that story such a disservice. Like the constant harping on about the foster care system, shaming a man into taking care of kids he may not be equipped to deal with, all under the guise of family always finds one another. It's just gross and lazy. That like, should have been the title of this episode. <laughs> Gross and lazy. lazy. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't, I just, oh, uh, like, I, I, like in my, like in my mind, right. I'm like, look, I, I am not against having a Hansel and Gretel like story, you know, in, in once upon a time. Right. No. Cause it can be no. done it can and be- it can be done well. 
Yeah. It can be done well. And the thing is, is that I think it would have been better if they had ended up being Henry's friends. Yeah. Like, I think that would have been so much more awesome and worthy of the show to have a couple more kids involved and, and have them be like, yeah, like Henry's allies, even if they're only in it for like season one, you know, and stuff, but you know, like, for no other reason than so the poor kid can have friends his actual fucking age. Yeah. 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 It's just like, and, and, and like Hansel and Gretel also like, you know, they, they, they just completely ignored the fact that like, of like their stepmother or their mother, whoever, you know, depending on whatever rendition you, you read, but like, you know, of like deliberately trying to lose them. They're like, oh, that's too mm-hmm. dark, I guess, you know? Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. It's, it's interesting where Once Upon a Time draws lines on what is and isn't too dark. It's fine that they cherry pick, right? Cause that's the, that's the whole premise of the show. They're gonna cherry pick from various fairy tales for the purpose of this show. I just wish that they would be a little bit more judicious and just so just have a care. Like, like, please give a shit. Like when you write these characters in, you know, don't just like treat them so throw away. Like yeah. they could, they could be so much more, you know? Yeah. I don't, I don't know what went wrong with this episode. I don't know if they like needed to hit a quota for episodes for the season and like we're short and we're like, oh God. Yeah. I mean, that often happens with, you know, 24 episode programs. There, there are some misses in there because you have episodes where there's, you know, less, less talent going to be in them, um, less, less budget going to be going to them. Um, and just where cu- corners are cut, there are always going to be episodes where corners are cut with a 24 episode format show. And uh, yeah. this is, I think, one of the ones where, where we got that. I mean, there's cutting corners, then there's whatever this is. Thank goodness. That last episode, Desperate Souls, the Rumpelstiltskin backstory, Emma runs for sheriff plotline is the episode that that follows, um, you know, Graham's deeply upsetting death. Because I think if this had been the next episode after The Heart is a Lonely Hunter, I think I would have given up. It's just, yeah. it's not great. It's not the worst thing ever. It's not terrible. It's just not good. Um, it's not, it's not special. It's, it's, it's really nothing. Um, I mean, on rewatch this time, you know, I appreciate Jennifer Morrison's performance as Emma, you know, and since I'm watching this as a, a rewatcher, you know, I'm viewing this episode with the knowledge of the first five seasons of Once Upon a Time under my belt. So, you know, I know why the issue of children living rough is, is hitting Emma so hard and why, you know, she has a personal history with the foster system and how it's coloring the situation for her. So I guess that plot line means, means a little bit more on a rewatch. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, but much like the Cinderella episode is, is this situation, we really only care because Emma cares. And I, I don't think it really does anything for Emma's development that the Cinderella episode hadn't already done. Um, I think the one thing this episode successfully sets up, albeit in a very weird way, is that we see uh, Regina as the evil queen really wants to be a mother. Yeah. I mean, she learned that by repeatedly sending children to their deaths. But I think it's important to know this is the first like backstory proof we have that Regina legitimately wanted Henry. She wanted to raise a child, which is really interesting. But overall, this episode is weak. And I agree with what, what Shell and what Lynn were talking about. Is they could have done something way more interesting with Hansel and Gretel. Uh, that original story is such a great spooky potential. And this adaptation was, was lackluster. And once again, that repetitive narrative of like blood relations outweighing other potential bonds, you know, it does leave a bad taste in my mouth. But I, I agree. I I hate whenever that's like a trope that gets hammered in is like your your blood is your end all be all. And yeah. like that's horseshit. It's and it's it's a it's a toxic thing to be like, no, your family relations begin and end with the people that you are related to by blood, because that's not that's not it. And that's a harmful mi- mindset to put out there Absolutely. yeah it really really is so you know good job good job you didn't try at all no but, i don't think you tried at all but what they did try at was the evil queen's look we got my all-time favorite regina look i just love it so much the purple the hat so good so hot love it so much um, and I think the other honorable mention, uh, is I, I like Gretel's Enchanted Forest look. I thought it was cute. Grey Hobbit. 
It's very yeah. cute. It's very sweet. Enchanted Forest timeline. Enchanted Forest, yeah. So yeah, we I as Chell mentioned, uh, there was a an ask on Tumblr for us to kind of try to try to put the Enchanted Forest timeline uh, into perspective here, as because it can be kind of confusing. Uh, so I saw that, um, and I saw Chell was like, oh yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see if we can do that, and I was like, I can do that. So I tried to kind of align this episode with with the episodes we've seen so far, and I will do my best to make sure not to include uh, you know any spoilers uh, for future context we are trying really hard not to not to include spoilers only casual comments here and there of things that are very commonly known about once a time but we want to make sure this this is a podcast friendly to those watching for the first time but yeah enchanted forest timeline check-in our important timeline details in these flashbacks in this episode are a the evil queen is in power so this is after snow white escapes with the help of the huntsman so this is post episode seven flashback so this is post you know enchanted forest scenes we see in the heart is a lonely hunter b the evil queen spies on snow white and we see snow white in her bandit outfit accompanied by dwarves uh so this is quite some time since she escaped in that flashback in episode seven so this is something more along the lines of you know snow falls in relation to snow falls we don't quite know yet um that will get revealed later on in the season uh, but as of right now we know that snow white's in her little bandit outfit she's made friends with the dwarves and so we know that some time has passed uh since she fled from the huntsman and see the queen receives the apple which we know is the cause of Snow White's glass coffin nap in the first flashback of episode one. Uh, so this flashback happens post Heart is a Lonely Hunter and pre-pilot. Thank you for that timeline. That's amazing. You're welcome. So I will try to do these for each episode moving forward um, so we can keep our enchanted flashbacks uh, in the context of what we've seen so far. Also, just as a note, um, this is Chell here and I'm... I mostly answer the asks on Tumblr. If you do send us an ask, I do ask that you come off anon if you are going to talk about future episodes because um, that way you and I can converse uh, privately because I, I won't publish asks that reveal spoilers, uh, especially like seasons way down the line. So for the Anon who did send us some great conversation, I really wish I could talk to you, um, but I, I just can't because I can't publish it because um, I don't want to inadvertently uh, reveal any spoilers on the Tumblr. The Tumblr I try to keep fairly spoiler free, um, which is a challenge, but um, you know, I use my personal Tumblr for, <laughs> for, for doing the spoilers, but uh, but yeah, so trying to keep that one spo spoiler free as much as possible. I love engaging with you guys. I love I love when you send us asks, or I love looking at all your uh, your notes in our uh, in our reblogs and and stuff. So I wanted to um, back up a little bit and talk about something that I I missed last episode uh, with Desperate Souls, and that is a timeline error. So go on. <laughs> So I have a screen cap that I'm currently looking at of the, um, the Storybrooke Daily Mirror, the edition where Sydney Glass revealed that uh, Emma Swan uh, had Henry in jail. Mm -hmm. And right next to it is a story that says pumpkin weekend storybook farm something seasonal treat for entire family. And there's like a picture of a jack-o'-lantern. And I'm like, are you? Are you fucking kidding me? Like Emma showed up on her birthday, which is canically October 23rd or, or the 22nd. And I'm like, the fuck? <laughs> like, like, why is it pumpkin season? Pumpkin, this is like months later, man. Months later. <laughs> Unless we're going by the weird bullshit timeline introduced in this episode. Yeah, it's only been a month, so it's a single month. So they're in November. I don't know. <laughs> but it would still be, I mean, a jack-o'-lantern? Like that's like a week later. That's weird. And then I'm looking yeah. at the weather and it says partly cloudy chance of showers, high 62, low 55. And I'm just like, the fuck it is. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay. Okay. Probably giving the benefit of the doubt, but they're in a time loop. They're in a time loop that has just been broken. They're in a weather bubble. Maybe it is always, has always been like fall, like has always been jack-o'-lantern season until 
Emma showed up and now time's going, but time is like, you know, taking its, its sweet time catching up. So maybe time is taking its sweet time. It's taking its sweet time. Time is taking its sweet time. So maybe, maybe hmm. it's not a screw up. Maybe it's actually theming that they've been in like an internal fall, internal pre-Halloween. I think Henry would have gone crazy. <laughs> I often don't know how Henry hasn't gone crazy, to be yeah, perfectly honest. Yeah, I... I like I think just from the sheer as we discussed with the school the sheer weirdness of being the only child who seems to age yeah I don't know how that alone wouldn't have driven him mad be like for some reason Maddie's just been seven for four years I don't get it but here we are I guess there's yeah. magic fog influencing so like doesn't notice I don't know I'm gonna I, I don't know we're just gonna have to keep going with the with the show and see if any seasons actually happen <laughs> <laughs> but also to your point for what may be in the favor of no they did a big old whoops if you recall in the pilot i once again want to bring up snow white's wanted poster that had a picture of her in her wedding dress yeah yeah this is true so <sighs> dr really who has been really messing the doctor has really been messing with the uh, yeah. with the once upon a time Oh, yeah, with, it's a, no it's a, with no care to putting it correctly. No. The entire town is like a chameleon circuit. And so Henry just hasn't noticed that things oh, haven't changed gosh. until his eyes were opened up by looking at the book. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. What a nerd you are. Oh, you love me though. Next time on Once Upon a Rewatch, Mary Margaret and David continue to grapple with their unrequited love. And Emma and Regina grow suspicious of her mysterious new stranger in town. Meanwhile, in the fairy tale land that was, Snow White yearns to ease her breaking heart as Prince Charming's wedding to King Midas's daughter approaches. Thank you for tuning in to Once Upon a Rewatch. We are the Narrators 3. The moral of this episode is, if you're going to hire Emma Caulfield, give her a better role. Don't be gross and lazy. You can find us on anchor.fm slash onceuponarewatch, on Twitter at onceuponrewatch, and at Tumblr at onceuponarewatch.tumblr.com. I want to say a very special thank you to the master of free music, Kevin McLeod. Our intro music is Frost Waltz, and our outro is Fairy Tale Waltz. And remember, all pod devices come with a price. Emma packs Ava and Nicholas into her car and pretends to head out for Boston. Henry warns. <laughs> what happened? You you read I said prepare I wrote prepares to head out to Boston. You said pretends to pretends to head out to Boston. Well, to be fair, she does. No, that's what I think is the funniest thing because you're absolutely right. She does pretend. No, she's like gonna do it. Totally gonna do it. Someone called chicken on me. (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. It's okay. I can take it from the top.